Magneto Funky, Walkabout number 54. It's Saturday, September 30th, 2023. Hey, welcome, or welcome back. Larry here. Uh, this episode starts on the specific engines and bike frames I like for my motor-driven cycle. Uh, meanwhile, I get a first look at the square tarp tent pitch. The music is a few more picks from the latest eclectic submissions to hit my inbox, uh, leading off with another EBM tune from the compilation electronic bodies. Thank you. 
Okay, that was Infected Colony, the alternate version, by Stallgeist, off the Sideline Magazine charity compilation album, Electronic Bodies, aiding psychological support for Ukrainian soldiers and citizens. Uh, Stallgeist is an alternative dark electro old-school EBM band from Brussels, Belgium, offering this tune from their 2022 album, Altered Reality. And hey, this is a laid-back and often explicit, you bet your ass, personal journal of extremely eclectic music and progressive politics, with a focus on mobile energy independence and creative West Coast wanderlust. My pod page is 1223studios.com slash mwalk.h. I'm on Instagram at mfunkywalk, on SoundCloud at mfunky, where episodes are up for a limited time, and I'm still wondering, should I consider a substack shingle instead of using threads? Anyway, despite Z-Dog not letting me post episodes anymore, my page is facebook.com slash larry.winfield.967. Okay. In the itinerary, I begin nailing down the specifics on my monodriven cycle. The two most important components to start with are the engine and the frame. To eliminate any guesswork about the vehicle's power, I'm going to go with a minimum 120cc four-stroke engine. I'd like a steel bike frame with a center V big enough to accommodate an outline about 16 inches long by 14 inches high. That rules out everything but a beach cruiser with a 19 or 20 inch seat tube or a gas bike frame even though most of them are aluminum. Uh, Instead of a complete build from scratch or just outright buying a G-bike with a smaller two-stroke motor, I'd rather get an already rideable motor-ready bike and make it street legal, worth having an M1 motorcycle license. So, as I began looking over street legal parts, I came upon a potential barrier to my semi-custom build. I was overlooking the fact that California has more regulations than any other state, in particular emission standards. So, that first weekend, I looked into the California Air Resources Board and the rules concerning smog testing. Uh, I learned that the state doesn't smog test motorcycles and scooters because they're built to the state's air standards. But the info wasn't as clear on custom-built motorized bikes, aside from some specific bike engines literally not passing the smell test. There was some info on back-and-forth wrangling between the board and Honda on their small engines over the years, but nothing stating a definite yes or no. So on Monday the 18th, I went to the source, a service station that did smog tests. I asked the guy there, and he said no. If you roll up in a G-bike with, well, for example, a 100cc four-stroke motor, the state doesn't require a smog test. Cool. Uncertainty resolved. Uh, With that knowledge, I've settled on two engines, the Honda GX120cc 
and the re-evaluated Harbor Freight Predator 212cc. The Honda is priced between $450 and $500. The Harbor Freight Predator 212 is a highly rated Honda clone popular for use in go-karts and g-bike builds on YouTube priced around $180, which is one big reason why I gave them a second look. Uh, at first glance, the Harbor Freight website said it wasn't available at all in California, but I discovered that there are three versions of the 212, one with a Hemi and two versions sporting a non-hemispherical chamber and piston head design, and one of them, model 69727, is certified by the EPA and the California Air Quality Resources Board and sold in the state. The Honda is almost 30 pounds and the Predator is just over 35. It has the larger dimensions and will fit an aluminum gas bike frame, but I still prefer steel. There is one other frame style I like other than cruisers, and that's choppers. Uh, one I'm considering the BBR Tuning Stinger chopper bike. It's motor ready, steel frame, designed for a 66 to 80 cc two-stroke engine, but it could take a four-stroke. The current cruiser I like is the Schwinn World. A steel frame, disc brakes, I like the seven-speed version. Both of those bikes are about 700 bucks, and both would need a wider crank but combined with the Predator engine, I could keep the whole project under budget once accessories and street legal gear are thrown in. And I'll look at the accessories next time. Okay, Center Stage continues with a few more tunes from my inbox, mostly because I spent most of the past fortnight on research and etc., not curating. So, instead of pushing the show off another week, I'm keeping it rather brief with a pair of new songs. First, we have I Had a Dream, the latest single and YouTube video from Vela, the Russian by way of Armenia duo delivering dark cold wave down-tempo dream pop. Their second studio album, Sentimental Craving for Beauty, has been fully released on Project Records. I had a friend His name was Solitude He could understand me Better than anyone could That land was broken Too many people inside my head They never stopped talking
an ethereal ambient noise piece less than or equal to 23 by Arctica uh, aka LA based ambient artist John DeRosa from the remastered 2001 album Morning One long out of print released September 15th also on Project Records
very, very, very Okay, in the log, I pick up on the day the last episode came out, as the 10 by 10 foot camel tarp arrived. Actually, it's 9.5 by 9.5. I spent that weekend going over the straightforward star pitch, 
and switching interest from the trapezoid pyramid to the more basic instant three-sided pyramid pitch, one you can put up in a few minutes with three tent pegs and a pole. To check the fit of the bike and gear, I made graph paper scale models of the tarp, the bike footprint, about five and a half by three and a half feet, and the sleeping area footprint, about six by three feet. I could see that neither pyramid shape had the floor space to cover both, only the star pitch, and that spared me a lot of wasted time for the next session. But before the square tarp session, I had a follow-up visit with my doctor, mainly getting her approval to modify my prescription after my blood sugar number dropped to almost half. And yeah, she happily agreed. So now I only have to take one horse pill a day. And after a couple of days, my system had greatly calmed down. So I can now start thinking about planning all day activities again. So on hump day, I rode up to the park and set up as usual between the two Janus trees and timed the setup. It took about eight and a half minutes to go from taking the bags off the racks to a secure tarp tent pitch in windy conditions, which is not bad for a first time. Now for that first pitch, I only used tent pegs on the corners without guidelines. Then I shifted the pegs and raised the pole up to three feet to take a couple of picks and assess the inside. The center of the tarp looked a lot closer to where the bike seat is, and the pole placement looked better from the outside as well. And even though the square tarp is larger, the amount of sleeping space underneath is pretty much the same and headspace would only be a small area near the pole if raised to a full four feet. The sharp angle of the tarp meant I'd need to break out the guidelines if I wanted to test that full four foot pitch. But the park was getting a lot more active by then, so I decided to wrap up. In striking camp, it took 12 minutes in the stiff breeze to wrangle the big camel tarp, pack up the bags, and take a leave no trace picture. Still, not bad. So before I test the four foot pitch, I decided to get a lower profile portable camp chair that packs smaller than the current camp stool because I can't carry it and the camel tarp in the handlebar harness. And I don't want another stool. I need something with a little bit better back support, like a beach chair or a stadium seat. In the meantime, I plan to get in a few weeks of scout riding. Now, hell, I haven't even tried out those bike shorts yet. Anyway, sooner than I expected, I found a reasonable compromise between low-profile back support and portability, an affordable ultralight backpacking chair that's just about two feet high and packs down to 14 by 6 inches. The thing arrived in three days, and it only took a few minutes to put together. It feels solid and stable and is comfortable. Uh, I could work on the laptop inside the tent easily. And it isn't a pain getting into and out of. It packs down in a few minutes too. And while it doesn't quite fit in a front rack bag, it fills the front rack nicely for scout mode. Tour packing mode is another matter though. 
it's one more thing I got to jam into the seat bag. But I don't have to worry about that for a good while. Oh, I still plan to do a few scout rides on my birthday week. Then I'll do the next tent practice session. Okay, for one more tune, we close out with Don't Gaze at the Sun When Your Yacht Is on Fire. The opening tune from the Psychedelic Trip Hop album, Don't Stare at the Sun When Your Hands Are on Fire, by Fields, Ohio, a.k.a. Christine Anarino and Eddie Palmer. Uh, the duo has shown great consistency over the span of its 10 years of existence, with about 15 releases so far. Nice.
Well, okay. Hey, this show is a 1223 Studios joint. Show notes and band links are on the pod page, and episodes are now on Amazon Music and Audible. Uh, send email to mfunkyzine at gmail.com. If you like the show, subscribe already. Tell your friends it's roughly every two weeks. And... Okay, before parting shots, a road weather alert. Avoid Highway 1 on September 30th and October 1st because the California Coast Classic Bike Tour kicks off here in San Francisco. A boutique cycling tour packed with lots of upper-income cyclists, among others, to raise funds annually for the Arthritis Foundation. Any riding I do over the weekend will be far away from the Great Highway. Now, parting shots this time is aimed, once again, at the corporate media stenographers who consistently gift proven right-wing liars airtime for interviews on the Sunday morning clown shows that frequently advertises products you can't buy in stores, like goodies from Lockheed Martin and Boeing. And when they give assholes license to run their expected gish gallop of insincere, emotionally charged BS with barely an ounce of pushback, after the awful segments end, the answer to the expected outrage is always, well, you can't debunk all that BS in real time. How are we supposed to fight that? Well... Two ways you can fight it. Refuse to give a lying liar airtime, no matter how newsworthy the liar is, because you already know he or she is going to whiz down your neck and insist it's raining. Or, the more entertaining, but just as unlikely method, give said newsworthy lying liar a chance to answer one question. When the gish gallop takes off, let them finish. Then ask the same question again. And when a similarly worded gish gallop is repeated, thank them for the interview and end it. Then do the unthinkable. Interview the gish gallop. That's right. Take all the convoluted and contracted collection of statements and do what the overpaid stenographers are all afraid to do. Debunk each BS bullet point and point out why it's BS and why it's pointless to ever interview said lying liar again if they can't answer a single straight question. Yeah, it's a shame that no so-called Sunday morning news show will ever piss off their overlords or otherwise upset the status quo by committing actual journalism, which is why I couldn't care less who hosts Meet the Press or any other parody of information and analysis. It's why I don't waste time on any of them. But if they all did that, Instead of getting into a mud-wrestling match with the newsworthy liar, oh, and eliminate all the ads during the shows, like back in the before time when news wasn't supposed to make a profit, the news shows might just become the public service they used to be. But I'm not holding my breath. Oh, and a couple quickies. Why the hell is Louis DeJoy still employed at the post office? still dismantling sorting machines and doing his best to monkey-wrench mail-in voting for the next election? There are quite a few ongoing political atrocities falling through the cracks, 
because the corporate media is too busy both siding and horse racing and dumbing down the various races and calling GQP felonies campaign tactics. But come on, Joe, kick this mofo to the curb and start undoing the damage. And finally, whatever your views on gun control, I'd argue that anyone who's been directly, indirectly, jokingly, or off-handedly threatened by the Orange Ayatollah or any of the insurrection assholes in the House, the Senate, and hate media, has the legal and constitutional right to be strapped for self-defense from any redhead dipshit feeling froggy enough to carry out any of the numerous fatwas declared by Defendant 1. And the ACLU should have defense attorneys on hand when, not if, one of these hatreds goes from stalking to aiming. Nuff said. Show themes, Acid Trumpet, Back Vibes, and Spyglass by New York musician and composer Kevin McLeod. Bike Bell Number 3 by CDRK, found at freesound.org. The next episode will consider some of the accessories I need for the motor. And I'll see what a full pitch looks like after I do some scout rides. I'm Larry, trying hard to stay chill at my Garrett in the Mission. Still in San Francisco, working to get on the road and off the grid.